Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Judge not that you, not, that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. This is the reading of God's word. Let me pray for us again. Father, we thank you for you are good. We thank you that we have your word, and we thank you that as a church, we have the privilege to read your word, to hear the word being preached, to be able to respond to your word. And Father, we pray today that you will remind us again of who you are, who we are, our need for a Savior, but also you will remind us of how truly blessed we are in you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this passage, obviously we're still in Sermon on the Mount, and we've been there for a few weeks now, and this passage is actually very well known. Uh, it's actually often quoted by people, and to be honest, I would say it's quoted wrongly often. It's very misused. Uh, I think I've heard this a lot in my life where someone says to you, don't judge me, right? Judge not, lest you be judged. Or, or we'll say something like, you know, if you tell somebody something that they don't want to hear, they say something to the account of, hey, why don't you just take the plank out of your own eye or take the log out of your own eye? And it's a, it's a very misused scripture. Uh, many of you probably have either said it or heard it before. Maybe you didn't know it was from Matthew chapter 7. Uh, but I've said this uh, often in my life, I think. Don't judge me. Do not judge. But also, I feel like I've heard it, you know, a good share as well, where somebody will tell me, hey, don't judge me. Or don't judge someone else. And, you know, as almost as a rebuke. Because Jesus says, right, judge not, lest you be judged. Right? Why? Why? Why are you keep looking at my speck? Take your own log out. Take the plank out. And we, we say these words. We hear these words. And honestly, to some of us, it might sound really good. Yeah. Don't judge me. Don't judge anybody. Let everybody be who they are. Who are we to make any moral judgments on anybody? You know, we don't know your hearts. right? We don't know, you know what you're going through. You don't know your situation. So we just got to keep our opinions to ourselves, live our own lives, and, you know, let everybody else do their own thing. You know, what works for me, what works for you. And, and honestly, these words might even sound like it's, in line with maybe part of what the culture might say to us today as well. But as we read this passage, I want us to really think about what is Jesus really saying in this passage? Because I think it's good to know Scripture, obviously, but we don't want to rip Scripture out of context, but also we don't want to misuse Scripture. We don't want to misuse it in our own lives, but also we don't want to teach others the misuse of Scripture so that they use it the wrong way either. And so today... I want you to think about these five verses, what Jesus is teaching us today, and really to think about how it applies to us. And so I have three points today, and the first one, first point is the command, second point is the example, and the third point is the how, right? The command, the example, the example that Jesus gives, and the how, right? The command that Jesus gives, the example that Jesus gives, and the how of doing it. But let's start with the command. Judge not, 
that you be not judged. And obviously it continues. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And obviously it continues with an example. But the key, but the key command is don't judge. That you not be judged. And if you use a certain judgment that you pronounce, the, the, pronounce, the judgment that you use, that is how you're pretty much going to be judged. That's what Jesus is saying. But judge not. Now what is that saying? Well, let's start with what it's not saying. It's not saying, first of all, that there is to be no rule of law. Right? There actually have been people that will look at this passage and say, you know what, we don't need judges, or we don't need a legal system, right? no one should be kind of being a judge or arbiter, right? And it, that is obviously not what Jesus is saying. If you read the Bible, you look at passages such as Romans 13, and how the importance of the government, and the government has a sword. I mean, clearly, the Bible is, I think, clear that there it needs to be a rule of law. Right, there needs to be some kind of a governing body, and there has to be laws that need to be followed. That's important. But also, even within the church, we see that there are rules, there's church discipline. You look at Matthew 18. Again, it is clear that there needs to be some form of judging, right, in an authoritative sense, or some sort of arbitration, or some sort of, you know, judge. You do need that in our society, in our churches. And so you do need the rule of law. So clearly, Jesus is not saying that. But honestly, I don't think most of us thought he was saying that anyway. The second thing he's not saying, which I think many of us perhaps might think he is saying, is that he is not saying to not be critical in your thinking at times and to not evaluate, especially moral evaluation. Right? I think a lot of people, when they read this passage, they think do not judge means don't have negative thoughts about anyone. Don't morally evaluate their lives. It is not my place to tell you how to talk. It is not my place to tell you how to behave. It is not my place to tell you that your lifestyle is wrong, right? I should not morally evaluate your life. I should not morally evaluate your actions. I should not morally evaluate your thoughts, what you say, what you do. Do not judge. That, however, is absolutely not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying stop thinking. He's not saying don't do any critical thinking. He's not saying don't evaluate. He's not saying don't morally evaluate. And how do we know this? Because the rest of the Bible, we see moral evaluation. We see even critical thinking. We see these things. To be honest, if you look at this passage, look at verse 6 in this exact same passage, you know what Jesus says? Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. That's actually a difficult verse for a lot of people. But in that verse, this is verse 6 of the same chapter, right after verse 5, he says, don't give to dogs what is holy, and don't throw your pearls before pigs. What is he saying? He's actually saying you need to discern who is what I consider a dog here and who is considered a pig, and don't throw your pearls. He's talking about the kingdom of God here. But he's saying, you need to discern. You need to make a moral evaluation of who I am saying is a pig or a dog in this passage. Or if you look at the same chapter again, verse 15, he says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And he says, you will recognize them by their fruit. What is he saying? Again, verse 15, moral evaluation. Critical thinking. He's saying you need to see who is a wolf, not you know, and who is 
who is a wolf, who you need to stay away from, you need to know who is a dog or a pig and who not to give pearls to. He's saying you have to evaluate. You have to think critically. You have to discern and you have to make certain judgments. So clearly, Jesus is not saying don't have an opinion of somebody. He's not saying don't rebuke. But think about it. The Bible actually calls us to rebuke people, right? If you look at Galatians 6, he says, if someone's caught in sin, to do what? To gently restore them. How can I gently restore you of your sin? How can I confront you, Matthew 18, of your sin and even, right, talk about these things unless I need to see, to discern if you have sinned in some way, if you have done something wrong? Of course, I have to do those things. So that is not what Jesus is saying. So what is he saying? And really, he's saying, you are to refrain from hypercritical condemning judgment. Really, he's saying, don't be judgmental, right? Of course, you have to judge in the sense of evaluating if someone's right, if someone's wrong, if someone's dangerous, right? If they're caught in sin, you have to evaluate. However, He's saying you do it in the sense where you have graciousness, right? where you're coming from a place of love, trying to be discerning and constructive, not in a hypercritical, judgmental, condemning form of judgment. And that's important. That is a very important thing. So, for example, let's say you know someone, and they're usually honest. But one day, they lie to you, and they're caught in a lie. And you know they're lying. They know they're lying. Maybe they're trying to talk their way out of it. There is a gracious way of looking at that. You know, you're my brother. You're my sister. Right? You're an image bearer. You're a child of God. I love you. However, you sinned. Right? You are lying in this situation. And so I need to confront you on that and talk to you about it. But I do it in a place of love. I speak in the truth in love. Or I can just say, you know what? You're a liar, right? I can't believe you did that. You're awful, and I just write you off. I don't want to even talk to you anymore. You were dead to me. How could you dare lie to me about that? And we just condemn them. We judge them. We just walk away. And then we gossip about them. Right? We talk about them. We slander them sometimes, right? And we say all kinds of things. Why? Because to me, that's who you are. We label people. Here's the thing. No one is actually a liar, right? That doesn't define a person. Even if they die, lie a lot, they're not a liar. Who are they? They're an image bearer. If they're a Christian, they're a child of God who obviously sinned in bearing false testimony, in the lie. So what we need to do then is attack the problem, right? The sin, the lie. We don't want to attack the person. But when I'm judgmental, what do I do? I don't attack the problem. I have no grace for you. I just judge you. I define you by your sin, and I condemn you, and often I punish you for that. I don't talk to you. I walk away from you. I hit you. I say nasty words to you. I talk about you in a very negative sense to other people, and I punish you for that as well. And what is Jesus saying? He's saying, do not judge, meaning don't be judgmental. Don't be hypercritical. Don't look for people's flaws and then just kind of be happy that you see those flaws and then just 
throw the book at them and judge them in that sense and be hypercritical and be condemning and just write people off and label them and define them by their flaws. That is what Jesus is saying. Do not judge. Now, he continues, though, with that thought, and he says, for with the judgment you, you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, you'll be measured to you. Now, think about that for a second. What if God judged me that way? What if other people judged me that way? Nobody wants that. Who here has not messed up? Who here has not sinned? Even to the people that we love the most, our spouses, our children, our parents, our best friends, our siblings, we have messed up. We have sinned. And what do we want? We want graciousness. We want people to not define me by my mistakes, my flaws, and my sins. Even if they're grievous, what do we want? What do we need? People to see who I am in the midst of that. And to even ask, why did you sin that way? To wonder, what is going on in your life? What is going on in your heart? And to care about me, even in the midst of my sin, that's what we want. And so what Jesus is saying is that's the way you need to be towards others. Don't judge them. Obviously, evaluate them. If they are sinning, if they are flawed, if they are weak, of course, you need to evaluate. You may have to even confront them. You may even have to restore them. You may have to rebuke them even. There is nothing wrong with any of those. Those are good things. But am I doing it with love, with graciousness, because I care about you? Or am I doing it because I judge you, I condemn you, right? I label you. You're not worth it. See, when I judge you, what am I saying? I'm up here and you're down here. That's what I'm doing. I'm saying I am better than you. I would never do that. How dare you? And I'm putting myself up here and I'm putting you down there. It's superiority, it's condescension, it's pride. However, if I know that I should be judged, which I do know, and I know God's forgiveness and his love, and I know that grace, then Jesus is saying, I can't judge you like that. Because what I receive, I need to give. And so do not judge. Don't be condemning. Don't be judgmental and hypercritical in that sense. Now, that's the command. But then you see an example. And it's actually a funny example. Verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Now, think about the first thing. What, what is a speck? A speck is small. It's tiny. Think of like sawdust, right? Something really tiny in your eye. You see that. You go, oh, look. Look at that speck. It's bothering you. It's, it's keeping you from seeing. We see that. That's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But then he says, you don't notice the log. Now, think about that. It's supposed to be laughable, right? Can you imagine like a two-by-four coming out of your eye, right? A big piece of wood sticking out of your eye. I mean, it's ridiculous. It makes no sense. It's obviously hyperbole that Jesus is using to make a point. He's saying so often, when I look at other people, I see their flaws. 
But I see every little speck, whether it's a big sin or a tiny little sin, right? We're just, we're just there. We're just looking. We're kind of just waiting for you to mess up. And we see all your sinfulness, but what do I not see? My sinfulness. You know, I had a friend in college, and he used this line. He said, everybody's holy until it's their turn. I was like, that's actually a good, I thought, I thought it was a good point, right? When we look at other people, we're so holy. Oh, how dare he? How dare she? When I sin, well, you know, this happened and that happened and this reason and that reason. And so what do we, I make a ton of excuses for myself, but when it comes to you, right, I'm so holy. I'm very judgmental. And so he's saying, why do you look at every little speck in someone's eye and don't look at your own log sticking out of your eye? Can you imagine a person walking around with a big log and with this big log coming out of there, they're like, Oh, look at that thing in your little eye. You will laugh at them. It makes no sense. And that's the point. So he continues, verse 4. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. Or is take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now I want to make a point here. He is not saying, don't notice that people have specks. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, if you read it carefully, he's saying, take your log out first. That's, that's a very important thing here. He's not saying, never talk about other people's sins. He's not saying, don't notice people's flaws or don't even mention it ever. No, no. He's saying, before you do that, look at yourself first. Who am I? First, before I go to who are you. That's a very important point. Because why? A lot of us, what do we do? We notice something about somebody else. We're very quick to judge them, right? In the, this negative sense, we don't just evaluate and then try to see how can I bless you. We just think, oh, I can't believe you did that. Oh, I can't believe you said that. Oh, I can't believe you live like that. And then we just condemn them. And then maybe we talk about them to somebody else. Or maybe we even confront them with a very condescending, prideful attitude. How dare you? What kind of person are you? That's our attitude. Jesus is saying, no, no. Before you gossip, before you confront in that kind of nasty, prideful kind of way, he's saying, ask yourself, maybe you have the same sin. Maybe you may not sin exactly in the same way, but look at all the other sins that you have. And he's saying, instead of focusing on their sins and how big it is, focus on your own sins and how big it is. And then what? You need to repent. You need to do surgery in your own heart. You need to go to God with your sinfulness. You need to confess your sins and repent and know that you are forgiven and understand that grace. And then, with that heart, go to your brother and go to your sister and help them with their sins. This is very important because it is so easy for us to be prideful and to think I'm so holy and to go to people with this kind of haughty, haughty attitude. I remember when I was in seminary, we had a, a, a class about pastoral leadership and we had a Christian psychologist, she came in and gave us some great teaching and one of the things she said to us and she was teaching us about pastors who had committed adultery, infidelity, and, you know, she was talking about why it happens, some of the pitfalls, how to protect yourself. 
And I remember, you know, I was in my 20s, and I was, I think, very prideful. So I remember thinking to myself, oh, I would never do this. This is beneath me, right? I remember that was actually my mindset. My good friend next to me, one of them, he looks at me and he says, James, we need to be really prayerful because this could happen to any of us. At that moment, I said to myself, wow, I am so prideful. He's right. We are all capable of sinning in this way, and that is why we need to be obviously dependent on Christ and go to him. We need his grace in our lives. But I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking, oh, I would never do that. And here he was thinking, any of us could do that. We need God's grace in our lives. We need his protection, and we need to obviously do our best to be sanctified in Christ. That's important. Before I go to anybody else and talk to them about their failings, their flaws, their sinfulness, before I comfort them in that or rebuke them in that or confront them in that or do any of these things, first, Jesus is saying, what's going on with you? Matthew 5, he says, you have to be poor in spirit. Oh, you're spiritually bankrupt. He says you have to mourn. You have to repent of your sinfulness. Before the Lord, confess your sins. And when you understand his grace, that Christ died for you, even though you are sinful that way, and you understand that and it has transformed you, then with that heart of humility, of thankfulness, go to your brother, go to your sister, gently restore them, help them in their sinfulness and their weakness. What is his point? At that point, when I go to you, even if you have sinned in a bad way, My attitude is not, how dare you? It's not condescending. My attitude is, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. And because of that, even though I may not have sinned the way you have sinned, I know we are capable of sinning in so many awful ways, but by God's grace, I've been saved, and he's working in my life, and I know he can work in your life. How can I help you? How can I love you? How can I serve you? That is the attitude that we go to and then say, hey, I see a speck in your eye. How can I be a blessing to you? And that is the attitude that Jesus is saying we go to someone with. Not, I'm better than you, I'm holy, I condemn you, I write you off. No, as Christ has loved me, I want to love you, and I want to point you to Christ. That's why he says, you hypocrite, First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I'll be honest, though. This is difficult to do. It's a lot easier to be prideful. It is a lot easier to be judgmental and not be condemning. It's a lot of work to even work out the log in my own life. And it's a lot of work to be gracious and to be caring to somebody else and to want to help them with their specs. It is. And that is obviously why we need to love our brothers. We need to love our sisters. We need to love them a lot. Why? Because otherwise, it's not worth it for me. And it starts there. You know, I think about... My own children, I think many of you know, you know, my son, Joey, you know, he, he actually has a speech delay. 
And so obviously when we realized that, it was very hard for me and my wife. And so we said to ourselves, we want to help him. And so what can we do as a family? You know, maybe you need to get speech therapy. And obviously, what do you do? Because you love your child so much, you don't say, oh, I can't believe you have a delay. What's wrong with you? And you just write them off. That's just who you are. No, what do you do? You love your child, so you say, whatever we can do, whatever time is needed, whatever money is needed, whatever effort is needed, we are going to do whatever we can to help you. Why? Because I love you. And that is the attitude Jesus is saying that we need when we go to our brothers and sisters. Even when they are caught in sin, even when they've done something bad, something that you really don't even, can't even understand, you come with that love, that attitude. But how? That's my last point, right? The command, the example, the how. Well, how do I do it? Jesus, how do I, how do I love someone like that? It's so much easier to condemn and judge them. How do I love in that kind of way? And it's only possible when we look at Christ. We sang about it today. Jesus paid it all. Hosanna, save us. We sing songs about this. But in my heart, do I own it? Is it changing me? When I realize that if anyone is to be judged, it's me. God is the judge. He's the one that judges everybody, and the judgment that is upon me is his wrath. That's what I deserve. It's literally condemnation. It is hell. It is death, eternal death. That is all that I deserve. And yet, what do I know? I know that I was not judged. I am not judged in the way that I deserve. Why? Because Christ, Christ says, I love you so much that I'm going to take your judgment for you on the cross. I'm going to go through the condemnation and hell that you deserve on that cross. I'm going to die that death that you deserve so that instead of being judged in condemnation for eternity, you can actually be loved because of what I have done for you. And when that love, when that sacrifice moves my heart, I can look at another brother, I can look at another sister, and I can love them the way Christ has loved me. And that allows me, instead of condemning them, to graciously love them and say, as Christ has come into my life, how can I now show some of that love to you? And how can I try to help you with that speck in your life by loving you as Christ has loved me? And I pray that that will be our hearts, our attitudes as individuals, and obviously as a church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We sang today, Jesus, Hate it all. And Father, we know how precious that is. And as we think about the love that we have known, that we have received, we pray that we would love in that way, that we would not condemn, that we would not hypercritically judge, but we would discerningly evaluate. We would lovingly see where people are weak, where they may have falling short, and we will want to come alongside 
and to love a brother, to love a sister, as Christ has loved us. We thank you. And in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.